0: Crucial moment that has come along in the whole Mueller investigation thing has been letting air out of the Trump impeachment balloon, right? So far, all the at big the very moments? least, not
1: inflating it.
0: Yeah, yeah. And we'll see if there's yet another one of those tomorrow when Mueller testifies in front of two House committees.
1: Rosalind Helderman is a Washington Post reporter focusing on political enterprise story and uh, stories and investigations, and joins us now. Rosalind, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Excellent. I noticed there in your uh, your curriculum vitae, he says, trying to to appear to be your equal, a BA in, <laughs> a, a BA in history from Harvard, huh? Do you have a favorite era? Uh,
2: <laughs> uh, I love history of all kinds. Oh, I like yeah. the modern era, um, uh, but yeah, that's a that's a, the, a long ago resume point.
1: Uh, well, that's all right. We just we're both history freaks. And so we like talking yeah. about it with anybody who wants to. But you clearly don't. So uh, listen. <laughs> uh, l- let's talk about the Mueller testimony tomorrow. Sure, uh, and I've, I've read some of your reporting in the uh, the good stuff that Devlin Barrett and Matt Zapotosky have written in the post. Yeah. Um, the more I learn, the less I expect. Is that uh, wrong?
2: I don't think so, necessarily. I mean, you know, we only heard from Bob Mueller once across this entire investigation. He gave that public statement in May uh, announcing that he was closing the investigation. That was less than 10 minutes long. And he said several times in the course of that statement that he did not especially wish to testify before Congress, that he considered his report to be his testimony uh, and that he found uh, additional testimony to be unnecessary. So you're dealing kind of with a with a hostile witness. His goal is to not share anything beyond his report and to not make any uh, any news. Now, that having been said, he really didn't make any news at that press conference in May either. He didn't say anything that wasn't in the report then either. And yet, for a lot of people, that was still surprising. Just to hear him say the things that were in the report made a lot of news, opened some people's eyes. So Democrats are sort of hopeful that if they can just get him to talk about what's actually in the report, uh, maybe it will uh, sort of re focus americans attention on some of the damaging details that are actually contained in that document
0: kind of reminds you of the battle of hastings doesn't it As a history major no I'm trying to drag you back into maybe there. a little um, <laughs> so yeah i i think i get it that i saw one report where they're gonna cut up portions of democrats and this is a good idea are gonna cut up portions of muller's testimony which is just basically the Mueller report, but nobody's read it, uh, and, and get that out on social media and, and hope there's a this is a second chance to get out the information that he gathered, thinking it will be damaging to the president. Is that the goal? Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, yeah, I mean, I think uh, we've heard a little bit that the uh, Democrats on the House Intelligence Committee, who are likely to be focused a little bit more on what the Russians did during the investigation and the moments where the Trump campaign seemed to sort of welcome the Russian assistance, uh, even if uh, there was not a criminal conspiracy, um, which we know from the report. Uh, so th- there's some sense that they may try to push Mueller to provide some new facts to go a little bit beyond the four corners of the report. The Judiciary Committee Democrats, who are apparently going to focus on the second volume of the report dealing with possible obstruction of justice, uh, have signaled that they intend to stick much more closely to what's actually in the document and basically try to get Bob Mueller to narrate some of these rather mm. dramatic moments where the president really did appear to try to interfere in the investigation and kind of just lay out those facts so that uh, Americans better understand uh, some of the well, president's behavior and all.
0: I fully get that. Now, which ones first? The uh, which committees first?
2: I believe Judiciary is. Okay,
0: first. so and that's the one where they're going to try to get him to narrate the report, as you just said.
2: Yeah, we, so, which is a little do, backwards. But frankly, we, it feels uh, like it should start with Russia and then go to obstruction. But I think yeah. I think it's going to go in the other order. But
0: is there any reason he's going to go along with that? I mean, he doesn't have to be the dancing monkey that reads the report, or will he just say it's on
1: page forty-eight? You could. I, mean, I don't feel like it. <laughs>
2: Uh, yeah, I mean, we'll know in 24 hours. Um, yeah, I guess. You know, we, we, we do have some sense of him that, you know, he, he does not like partisan nonsense. He doesn't want to be there. He's, uh, he's already been given some restrictions by the Department of Justice on what they think he should be talking about. On the other hand, you know, I don't think that the special counsel's office and the prosecutors in that office wrote a 450-page report uh, just for their own sense of fun. Like, I do think that they want Americans point. to read it and they want Americans to understand what's in it that's a good point uh, so you know so we, we may find that he is a little less hostile than you would think from that may press conference that if the democrats don't push him too hard if they don't sort of try to get him to go somewhere that's not in the report in terms of like declaring that the president committed a crime he may be willing to do a certain amount of just describing what's in the report
1: right right Although I think, it, and I just learned this this morning, he uh, Mueller asked, and we're talking to Rosalind Helderman of the Washington Post um, about the Mueller hearings tomorrow. But uh, Mueller uh, asked to be subpoenaed, and I just realized uh, I found out why. It's so he's now uh, got to follow, in effect, the rules of a Justice Department employee, which include, for instance, not um, not imputing unindicted, uncharged. The third parties not in fact, not even discussing them uh, established policy. I'm quoting from the post now uh, also precludes any comment on the facts developed and legal conclusions by the special counsel's office with respect to un- uncharged individuals. I mean, it really sounds like the rules have, are pretty he's pretty well clamped down by them.
2: Well so he's got this letter now in hand, so if he encounters questions he doesn't want to answer, he has sort of the ability to fall back and say the Department of Justice has indicated I shouldn't be answering these uh, but at the end of the day it's going to be him there live and it will be up to him what to answer There's very little sort of recourse the Department of Justice would have against him uh, if he didn't follow those guidelines uh-huh. and and what's more, uh, you know you might remember the Attorney General came out um, maybe a week or two ago and actually said that he thought that the uh, special counsel shouldn't have to testify at all and sort of signaled that if Bob Mueller wanted to say, wanted to refuse, the Department of Justice would fight on his behalf. He kind of signaled that you know they would have his back if he wanted to tell Congress, I'm not going to show up, there's no need for this. And there's this whole series, you'll recall, of other administration officials who are in that posture who have refused to show up, and the Department of Justice is going to fight in court on their behalf to not appear. And it appears as though uh, Special Counsel Mueller has not taken the Department of Justice up on that sort of vague offer to fight for him. He is going to show up. And so... You know, a lot of this is in the mind of Bob Mueller, and none of us—none thats a place none of us yep. live. Just and like so, the Enlightenment,
0: you know. wouldn't you
1: say? Tell oh me. I had a better one than that, but you stole my thunder. <laughs> <laughs> Rosalind Helderman, Washington Post, a reporter. Well, I guess we'll find out together. Rosalind, enjoyed the chat as always, very much. Thanks for the time.
2: Thank you so much for having me. We'll, we'll make tomorrow's uh, history tomorrow.
0: All right. <laughs> I'll jump
1: that down. That's very clever. I uh, yeah, got a couple of chuckles out of the
0: uh, the history nerd from Harvard. So. That's what was my goal.
1: So I was, was going to ask you. This, this interview was your water, Lou Rosalind. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's better than what I said. Significantly better.
1: Um, oh, and you know what I wanted to go with? Uh, what was the disastrous campaign that uh, Churchill led? World War One, yeah. Except I wasn't a hundred percent sure how to pronounce it. I um, thought it was Gallipoli. So the, that's fun to say. Let's say it together. Gallipoli. <laughs>
0: we didn't get to the other side of the aisle, which you know I should ask her, but uh, Republicans. The, the claim is Republicans. Are, this is their opportunity to drill down on. How, when did you know the Steele dossier was bogus and why yes. did you keep going all this sort of so stuff? Right.
1: Does he need to answer those questions? or does he? The, the short answer is no. And we made reference to, and I'm sorry, we probably should have explained it better, but this letter from the Justice Department instructing old Bob Mueller uh, on what he can and cannot say and should and should not say, it really limits him. It, it It's from the Deputy Attorney General... Mueller requested earlier this month guidance on how to handle questions, quote, concerning privilege or other legal bars applicable to potential testimony in connection with uh, the subpoenas and and the report. And the letter notes Mueller had resisted testifying. The department agrees that you shouldn't be testifying anyway. It's unnecessary. And that will remind you, don't say anything about unindicted individuals or or uncharged individuals. Um, you've got to follow all the court orders and, and blah, 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 and just, in other words, shut your mouth. And and I expect him to give little. Now, I'm trying to think through, based on my would... legal education, which included almost applying to law school, whether if they asked him, when did you know the steel dossier was fake, if he, he'd probably just say, I'm not prepared to discuss that. You might hear that phrase over and over again. Justice Department rules preclude me from discussing that. You better get prepared, buddy. That's that's what my uh, yes report would be. Touche.
0: All right. Well. Okay. So. Somewhere. Asked
1: asked whether Mueller intended to speak beyond his report. One of the media people involved in in his his getting ready to uh, testify. Uh, referred to a May news conference in which Mueller said he would not and added, as he made pretty clear then, you can expect him to stick pretty close to the four walls of the report.
0: This could be almost uh, laughably uncomfortable tomorrow then. Yes. That's what I'm hoping for. <laughs> that would be perfect. When like the fifth person in a row asks him a question and he says again with a sigh, as I've said previously, I'm, uh, I would refer you to the
1: report. If the president was any other person, would you have indicted him? I'm not prepared to testify as to the hypothetical blah blah. He probably, in fact, he will probably have a stock phrase that doesn't even go that far. It'll be so. Will they close down that's early? Beyond the scope of the report.
0: Go to lunch or bring in a bring in a comedian to do a <laughs> do an act for a kill a little time or stretch stretch. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It could be laughably weird tomorrow if he just refuses to answer any questions. Yeah. Yep, that'd be perfect. Or he could say, "Ah, all right. Finally, I've been I've been aching to tell you this. Listen to this. I think the guy, you know, that sort right. of thing. I doubt it. I doubt it too. Um, uh, what was the thing I wanted
1: to go? Uh, oh man, uh, what's a smart diaper? Oh, New technology for smart you? diapers. News on Narcan vaping, mental health days in in schools.
0: Smart diapers sounds so, like an SC story to me. Wow. The silent Chinese propaganda in Hollywood films. It's more than just Top Gun, Joe. Get the gong ready, Michael. Among other things, on the way. Stay tuned.
2: Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show.
0: Executive producer Hanson, I saw we've got a new delay. How many seconds now do we have? Is it the delay? Is that new delay? You can hold the fingers. You, you got some swear? Sorry, I, had, no,
1: I was eating some. 20 seconds.
0: We have a 20-second delay now. Oh, yes. Man, I could really unleash a load of filth. You could really hit. string several together. You could hit the dump button, and I could still.
3: I could do a lot of damage in 20 seconds. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah I'm going to get to everybody's mother by then. Oh, boy. <laughs> wow. Um, so Boris Johnson is now the Prime Minister of Great Britain, um, uh, something that a lot of people thought was unimaginable. Uh, he is, he's in in kind of a Trump-like way, uh, taking over politics there in Great Britain, and he's the face of Brexit, and Marshall's got more of that in his news coming up. Oh, yeah, that's right, and the Benny Hill theme starts. He
3: goes
1: running every, in fast motion.
0: Every time you mention Bo- Bojo, the new Prime Minister of Nobody, Great Britain.
1: He just turned... Went back where he came from because there's a hot nurse who walked by.
0: It, uh, it almost seems like we've got this rule in the modern world. Everything's got to be entertaining. Mm. Can't have just boring, regular stuff. Everything's got to be entertaining. Their personal lives or their uh, the, the way they act. We require a certain level of entertainment. Debates can't be boring conversation about policy anymore. We need entertainment.
1: Right. you got to wow us. Mm-hmm. you got got Zinger. It's all about Zingers. Talk to Lon Hee Chen about uh, that. He's prepared major candidates for major debates. And it's not about policy. It's about getting zingers ready, which is really kind of disturbing. Just tells me more political campaigns need to hire me. I'll zing them all day. You know, you'd be a good zinger crafter. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, uh, speaking of entertainment, uh, John Provost, who starred as Timmy on Lassie, says it's an urban legend. Timmy was never stuck in a well. <laughs> and. <laughs> Uh, turns out he he escaped child stardom disease. He's uh, acted and worked for years and years, and has a sense of humor about it, and seems like a lovable old fella. He's, I think, he's sixty nine years old. Uh, Lassie, uh, it's a TV show about a uh, what kind of dog is that again? It was a collie. A collie. They were incredibly popular when yep. I was a kid. Yep, because of that show. Yeah. Uh, it's on in fifty countries right now. Lassie ran from fifty seven through sixty four. Um, and I thought it'd be really entertaining to end this segment with a list of things that actually did befall Timmy. Because he would have like a misadventure every episode, and Lassie would run off and get help, but right. I couldn't find a list. I mean, you know, tra- trapped by bank robbers, there's a rock slide, it's, you know, who knows, a mountain lion, space aliens. A lot uh, of wells on the property he would fall in, No I guess, you know? wells! That's so what uh, we led with. Timmy never, never fell down, down. down a well.
3: Huh. Not even once. Not even in the movie version?
1: I t- I t- he says Finan- he didn't
0: financial crisis that ever happened or uh, AIDS epidemic that got him No, that
1: uh heartbreak <laughs> yeah yeah that's right. what i'd like to disassociate myself <laughs> from one of those jokes so it was very funny um okay so you got that very very amusing uh have you heard about the new smart diapers They have sensors in them that will send you a message on your phone when your baby needs changing. Oh, there's a message that gets
0: sent. A couple of messages, actually. (laughs) Well, one of them aural, one of them uh,
1: through the nose.
4: Right. Old factory. It's crap.
1: It's crap. There's some young parents there discussing uh, their baby's (laughs) diaper. (laughs) Um, uh, This is uh, smart diapers for dumb parents, according to Noel, who sent this along. And I know exactly what she's talking about. I see it all the time. Uh, it's often gals, with gals or guys walking their child in the stroller. They're not talking to the child. They're not singing to the child. They're not pointing out everything they're passing. No, they're staring at their phone or talking on their phone. So as long as you're staring at your phone instead of your child, um, and not paying attention to them, a message will pop up that they need a new diaper. That's beautiful. It's Fabulous. Filling a need, I guess. Ah, speaking of medicine,
0: smartphones weren't what smartphones are now when my kids were really little. Um so I didn't spend as much time with one but we'll we'll have a generation coming soon that grew up in the era of my kids were staring at their phone while I was uh you know in the cradle my kids were or the kids will grow up we'll have right. the first generation My parents were staring at yeah. their phone yeah yeah, yeah 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 and uh I don't know if that
1: it we'll won't see. do them any good we'll see ah uh, let's see how about this from Aileen anonymous i recently had a uh, same day surgery uh, like a outpatient surgery When I went to pick up the two prescriptions, Tylenol with codeine, which never opened as I just took extra strength Tylenol for two days and it was fine. I will simultaneously prescribe Narcan in case of an overdose. That's the miracle save your life thing. Uh I refused the Narcan from the pharmacies. I knew I was probably not going to use the pain medication prescribed anyway. And I certainly wasn't going to overdose. I thought it was odd. So now is this routine? Can't they prescribe you opioids and Narcan in case you OD.
4: Wow. <clears throat> That's crazy. Maybe they have
0: to for legal reasons. Plus, they're selling you the a drug that somebody's paying for. So there's money being made. What's Great. coming up in your news, Marshall fellow?
4: Well, new British Prime Minister Bojo's dad and his son's relationship with Donald Trump. Hello. And Democrats and Republicans applauding the new budget deal. Others, oh, yeah. not so
0: sure. Oh, yeah. Everybody's liking the new spending ways of government. Wow. Stay tuned if you haven't heard this.
2: Armstrong and Getty. <laughs>
0: What's his full name? I had this in front of me earlier today. Boris Johnson, who's the new Prime Minister of Great Britain. Boris DeFefel Johnson. Alexander Boris DeFefel Johnson. Now, that is the kind of name he was trying to run away from.
3: Chose to go by Boris
0: DeFefel. As a rich kid going to the finest schools. And then so he uh, started going by Bojo and uh, went with the kind of messed up hair, bumbling, I'm just a regular guy thing. Right. And similar to Trump, as somebody who's grown up very privileged has managed to be kind of like the voice of the working class and the regular guy you want to hang out with. Mm. Which is not an easy thing to pull off when you when you grow up in privilege. Right. But they've both done it. Let's get the news now with Marshall Phillips. Well, the
4: former mayor of London, Boris Johnson, elected to be the next British prime minister, looking first and foremost to finalize Brexit, telling supporters today...
3: We are going to unite this amazing country,
4: and we are going to take it forward. I thank you all very much. For the incredible honor that you've just done me, I will work flat-eyed from now on. Right now, of course, if the Brits leave the European Union, their relationship with the U.S. is going to be more important than ever. And that's one reason why this reporter asked Johnson's dad.
2: What do you know about how he's going to approach that? Do you think the two men will get on?
0: Prima facie, they ought to get on. They've got the same kind of hairstyle, I suppose.
1: Um, so do you? I think they will <laughs> get on. I think, you know, we're going to have to be careful
4: not to be too slavishly gear to America, talking about Johnson Who and Donald Trump. That's his dad. That's so his apparently, dad. where nice Bojo, shame.
0: where Bojo gets his uh, his snarkiness <laughs> is from his dad, because his dad's asked a serious question, yeah. and he immediately goes with the hair joke. Right, right. Here, I'll do this. I'll do this again for you.
2: What do you know about how he's going to approach that? Do you think the two men will get on?
0: Prima facie, they ought to get on. they got the same kind of hairstyle, I suppose. So, um, yeah. So do you? I think they will get on. I think, you know, we're going to have to be careful not to be too slavishly
1: no. geared to America. If you'll excuse me, I must press my ascot and polish my cane.
0: Why are you asking his dad anyway?
1: Is, is that it, the old man yeah, or is yeah. that same
0: hair? Yeah. Oh, my. Yeah. Wow. completely blonde or that looks dyed looks like the blonde.
3: FaceTime aging app of Boris. It does, actually. <laughs> they, lo- <laughs> they look like some K-pop
4: boy band. What's he- <laughs> with that hairstyle? <laughs> and you're saying he's 55 years old? Boy, he... Uh, that's not Boris. That's Boris's dad. That's his old man. Oh, that's his dad. Yeah. Oh, okay. God, I was going to say, man, that's weird. All right, all right. Anyway, Boris is going to formally take office tomorrow. And why is he wearing, like, a college basketball sportscaster's jacket? <laughs> <laughs> What's
1: the matter with those people?
4: House lawmakers are returning to Washington to assess a budget and debt deal between House Speaker Nancy Pelosi and President Donald Trump. So far, there's no evidence of any last gasp drama that could upset the hard-won compromise. The two-year deal announced Monday to enable the government's debt-fueled spending increases to continue through late 2021.
1: I'll continue to bribe my constituency, and you can continue to bribe your constituency without the slightest concern for fiscal responsibility. Agreed? Agreed.
4: Washington's pragmatic class is supporting the deal, while some other lawmakers are are taking a hard look at it and saying we're going to increase spending again?
0: Yeah, so they've just... The pragmatic class, that's rich. That's hardly anybody. We mentioned that Rush Limbaugh said to a caller last week who was complaining about this that, look, fiscal conservatism has never really existed. That's always been kind of a joke. So I think it... In D.C., sure. Among the Republican Party. So I think it's now just over. You had one party that spent and wanted to spend and didn't worry about it. Then one party that spent but pretended to care about it. And now the pretending to care about about it part has been taken away. Right. So now you've got two parties that are out loud going to say, no, we'll just spend way
1: more than we take in, but on our stuff. Right. And I think this might just stop being a conversation. It reminds me of when Nicolas Cage in Leaving Las Vegas announced that he was yeah. just going to drink yeah. himself to death. Yeah, exa- that's, yeah exactly. Yeah. You we just, just have to accept that. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah, and that is where we are now, and so it might just not be a conversation anymore. There might not be any more of these budget cliffs,
1: because there's just, nobody's going to pretend to care. Right, there's no constituency for it, and we're getting precisely the government we deserve it's frightening unfortunately the kids and grandkids are getting the government that we deserve not that they deserve but uh
4: well maybe they'll learn a lesson new survey is showing there is growing mistrust among americans of institutions and of each other with the highest distrust about government and political leaders the pew research center poll found almost 70% of Americans said the federal government intentionally withholds important information from the public. Wow, if
0: does. you don't agree with that, what world do you live in? Or how how, how dimly do you uh, pay attention? Wow! Ne- That's troubling to me that it's only 70%.
4: <laughs> <laughs> Nearly two-thirds said it's hard to tell the difference between what's true and what's not when they listen to their elected officials. <laughs> Only two thirds. Yep. Again, would they, th- that thirty-three
1: percent. Your people are saps. wrong. What's the matter with you? Sixty- or you're so incredibly perceptive, you can tell when they're lying or telling the truth. Maybe that's a you know some share.
4: Sixty-one percent said the news media intentionally is ignoring important stories. Of course they are. And almost half said it's hard to tell what's true and what's not about information they see on social media. Only half? That's what I've got Can I to... do this for a living yeah. and I struggle every day to figure out what's true. I... Wow. The study also found declining trust among Americans with one another. 64% saying they believe trust in each other has fallen. Fifty-four Of course it has. rather, saying it's very important to try to reverse that trend.
1: We don't have meaningful long-term relationships. We have shallow online relationships. Mm -hmm. And you you can't establish trust that way.
4: And according to uh, Pew's head of uh, Internet and Technology Research, Americans are worried that distrust in the government and in others is indeed taking a toll on the nation. They believe the distrust gets in the way of solving pressing problems. And what
0: was the percentage on that one?
4: It just said a majority. Yeah, they didn't get into the exact percentage.
0: So so I I like looking at the reverse of all these. So half the country reads news on social media and just takes it as fact, apparently. Yeah. That's incredible.
4: One last note. Sony Pictures is putting out its first trailer. I know you love trailers of the upcoming Mr. Rogers film starring Tom Hanks. Fans getting the first uh, sneak peek of a beautiful day in the neighborhood. It's a beautiful day in this neighborhood. A beautiful day for a neighbor. Would you be mine? Could you be mine? That's Hank's. Is this a heartwarming biopic
0: or is this?
1: Uh, this is a darker look. A darker take. <laughs> exactly.
0: Uh, I saw one that this
3: stacked
0: behind the home. This covers his, his m- dangerous
3: tea addiction. <laughs> his meth years. I, I don't think that's accurate though. I gotta. <laughs> it may have been a bad. But so is it just
0: on. what it looks like? Just kind of a charming, nice, uh, friendly. The narrative device seems to
3: be a reporter is doing a a feature on Mr. Rogers, and so it's kind of told through his perspective and, right. and observing him. And is is the is the Mr. Rogers guy? Is that really him and uh, but it seems very feel-goody and it will most likely make everyone cry who sees it
1: right. if you realize that uh, fred rogers had a 357 magnum tucked into that uh, cardigan <laughs> sweater his just just in case in very case mcfeely got uh, got out of hand
3: yeah, exactly yeah <laughs>
4: Movie due out in late November. And that's your news. I'm Marshall Phillips, the Armstrong and Getty Show, The Conscience of the Nation. Boy, well, even when I was a little kid, I mean, it was a charming show,
1: but the puppet show lost me. That uh, that weird King <laughs> Kid Friday. Friday and I just, yeah. I just, I'd like
0: to show an episode to my kids. It's so slow-paced compared oh, yeah. to what they're used to. There's no way they'd last two minutes with that thing. Yeah, Their brains are just, the speed mine is at, where everything I, needs to be much faster. I would take that bet. You think they might like it? Yeah. I, I should try it. I I
3: it's, try. it's been my experience that Mr. Rogers is pretty much universal for uh, his children under he a got, certain age.
1: Got something sort of magic, which ah, he did. And I wonder, yeah, I wonder what effect that would have on a child who's hyper, hyper because of modern TV and movies and the uh-huh. rest of it.
0: I wonder. Um, I mean, SpongeBob SquarePants, the pace of that show is just, you know, frantic. Yes. Compared to a Mr. Rogers. right. right. Yeah. Um, uh, speaking of entertainment, so the way China is influencing our movies, Sean came up with this article that's, uh, that's, really interesting and explains exactly why and then how China is influencing movies that, that they see and we see.
1: Yeah. And, and I, it should bother you. I don't care that much about movies, no. honestly, but it is one aspect of many in which China is intentionally. Infiltrating the United States, infecting us, and trying to change our behavior. Right, and
0: and influencing people's views of China. Right. Which, they're an evil country. Yes. Nobody says that China. out loud. China! You never hear anybody say that out loud. Nope, too much money being made. Anyway, that's coming up next.
2: Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty
4: Show. Uh, hot dog is my favorite meat.
1: <laughs> is that it? That was brief. That's the whole So
4: th- this is National Hot Dog Day. And as you know, uh, hot dog is my favorite meat. And I have a good one here sliced in half with some pickles, onions, and ketchup, which is the way I prefer it. So uh, enjoy a hot dog. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I don't, How did he lose? It's It's, it's, <laughs> it's not his fault willard mitt romney and i believe he is a genuinely
0: genuinely decent smart guy but he just sounds jivey like the, i sound sarcastic no matter what i say yeah oh i you love do. you
4: um <laughs> i sound sarcastic no
0: matter what i say he sounds jivey no matter what he
3: says Remember how, uh, how dog is
4: my favorite <laughs> meat
3: remember how he blew out his birthday candles yeah remember that that was weird <laughs> pulled the candles out of the cake and blew them all, all right all the so
1: there'd be no uh, spittle flying toward the cake <laughs> He is a snacker. <laughs> hot
0: dog is my favorite meat, so that's how I enjoy them.
1: Uh, hot dog
4: is my favorite meat. That's a bold stance. <laughs> I'm
1: having it with uh, relish and onion and ketchup, which is the way I prefer it. We figured that's why you're having it with that, because that's how you... Pre- we assumed that.
0: <laughs> Hilarious. So uh, apparently China's efforts at making us think they're a good country are working as 53% of Americans have a positive attitude about China. Um, That is something. What percentage? 53%. Stop it! You have no idea what you're talking about. Wow, that's troubling. China, quite possibly the most evil country on earth if not as evil as some of your like smaller Middle Eastern countries it's just because of the influence they have and they're so well, big.
1: Lower they're- intensity of evil than a few, but in terms of the number of, p- of people they perpetrate evil upon, that makes them the champion. And their actual uh, actual ability to take over the world? Right.
0: <laughs> someday. Right. Yeah, that's what makes them the champion. Wow. Anyway, this article the the the, the title is The Silent Chinese Propaganda in Hollywood Films. I didn't know this. But so, the, the Chinese government only allows 34 American films into China each year. This was really smart. We'll allow 34 films in the country every
1: year. It's the world's biggest movie market. Didn't we decide at one point there should only be six websites? <laughs> something like that. <it>. Yeah. <laughs> six or seven, something like that. <clears throat> um, Simplify the internet.
0: So, if the censors... Uh, the there in China, don't like your movie, it's not going to get in. It gives them tremendous power over what money-chasing Hollywood executives are uh, going to make as a movie, because you want your movie to be one of the 34 that get in there. 1.4 billion people. So they can have all kinds of rules. But you can get around these rules and get your movie into China if it's co-produced with a Chinese firm. Ah. If you co-produce it with a Chinese firm, they're going to put rules on the movie right? if you want to get it in. So there can be more than 34, um, but you just got to get this Chinese uh, company involved, and they're going to say, don't like this, don't like this, you got to do that. And the big one's Tencent? That's one of 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 the bigger ones, if
3: not the biggest.
0: Some of the co-produced films that China made are big-ticket movies like Mission Impossible. This is just from last year. Mission Impossible, Venom, The Meg, uh, Wonder Woman, Kung Fu Panda 3, and Looper. All movies that were made with a Chinese firm, which means there was some uh, censorship, if you want to call it that, or nudging one direction or another at the best of the Chinese companies, which whenever you say a Chinese company, you might as well be saying the Chinese government because it's all the same thing in in a communist country. You can't be a Chinese company unless you're working on the right side of the Chinese government. Um... You'll never see a movie like seven years in Tibet anymore, said this professor to the New York Times, because you wouldn't want to run afoul of the Chinese. So even a movie that you make that you have no intention of being big in China, you're not going to get any of your other movies in. So it influences... You're
1: labeled as a bad guy. It
0: even influences movies that aren't destined for China, in that if you're going to make a bunch of movies this year and you make one that says anything bad about China which would be any movie with a realistic depiction of China at all. Right. Uh, you're not going to get any of your movies.
1: So, so one of Xi Jinping's goons comes to you and says, you know, uh, Disney films, uh, we don't like your attitude. Don't even bother applying.
0: For example, in the book World War Z, which was turned into a movie, the global zombie plague... Great book. The book. Zob- You've read it? Yeah. The global zombie plague begins in China, and the utterly incompetent Politburo there in China is nuked by a rogue officer. Um, they changed that, uh, for the movie in the 2012, 2012, film, Red Dawn, the invading Chinese army was changed at enormous cost to a North Korean army, Red Dawn, a movie originally made in the eighties in which it featured the Soviet union, the Russians invading us, which would have been a more realistic idea just as now a more realistic idea might be the Chinese, right? But they had the power of Korea. They had the power to get that changed to something else. Wow. Wow. Uh, sometimes the edits are uh, minor ones. The movie Pixels had a scene in which the Great Wall of China was to join with other global monuments and being blown up. But in the uh, in the final film, it was swapped to the Taj Mahal, sometimes making two versions of the movie. So that establishes the point that they're they're influencing our movies at all different kinds of levels.
1: Boy, um, how weird and un-flex- inflexible and commie is that? No, don't blow up the wall. No, you, you understand there's all sorts of things being blown up all over the world. It has nothing to do with China. or No, you're not blowing up our wall.
0: China's pouring a lot of money into the effort to improve its image abroad. Squeezing Hollywood studios with threats of being locked out of the Chinese market into depicting China positively is just another way to acquire soft power without having to make convincing propaganda movies themselves, given that 53% of Americans have a favorable view of China the highest level in decades, it's going up as opposed to down. Wow. This campaign seems to be making some progress. That is really troubling to me. The more I have been on this China kick now for like a couple of months, and the more I learn about China, the scary it is. It's, it's all the bad stuff of the Soviet Union, only they've perfected it mm-hmm. in a variety of ways to either make it worse or less obvious to idiots.
1: Right, right. They're so much more effective, partly because they've successfully harnessed technology as a tool of oppression in a way that, oh, my God, old, you know, your your fat-faced uh, Soviet commie premieres wish they could have. Please. So some of the other ways... That Planting he... bugs in somebody's office. Please. That's 20th century crap. These
3: Chinese production companies, the some of the more common uh, restrictions that they'll put on movies is that, all right, if, if we're part of this, you got to have... Uh, A certain number of Chinese actors in it. We, we must film a certain number of scenes in China. That's uh, I didn't realize that's why so many scenes were all of a sudden. Why'd they go to Shanghai for no reason in this movie? Right. Because <laughs> well, they needed to film a scene there. Talked wow. about a
0: book where uh, in the book uh, they, they, they meet in Paris or something like that, and they changed it to Shanghai yeah. to satisfy the production wow. requirements.
3: And most specifically, in the case of like the Red Dawn one is an example of that. The China cannot be depicted as a villain. If we if we right. are financing this, we we must not be the bad guys. Well,
1: right. That, that stuff about going to Shanghai instead of Paris, who cares? But that stuff, using our popular culture for their PR as an oppressive c- crusher of human rights, executor of the innocent, it's just, Well, how it's about awful. the
0: idea that China can never be depicted as a villain in a U.S. movie yeah. when they are the biggest villain on the planet? Right. That should bother you. And we're letting them do it. And we're going to play that money. game because there's money involved. Yeah. Brad Pitt is not allowed into China because he was in the movie seven years in Tibet. Which is about the battle between, you know, Tibet and China and all that sort of stuff. But Wasn't um, he
1: in World War Z? Yeah.
0: Uh, six degrees of Brad Pitt. But he personally is not allowed in, which they hope will influence other actors to not be in movies that say anything bad about China because it bans you from getting to go to China where you can make a lot of money. They They figured out. Something the Soviet Union didn't figure out about the power of money and greed. Right. That we're willing to overlook all kinds of bad stuff if there's a dollar in
3: it. They canceled a Maroon Five concert that he was scheduled to do Good. in China. Good. Finally, he, some positive news. he's gonna take off his shirt? No, because <laughs> he sent the Dalai Lama a birthday wish on Twitter. Wow. He said happy birthday, Dalai Lama, on Twitter, and they canceled his concert.
0: Wow and that would influence other acts who want to play in the biggest market yeah. in the world, and they're only going to be getting bigger as as a as a dominant market
1: for a while yeah for a while but then they will die off China with terrible demographic problems but you know what's great is uh, the world keeps inventing new uh, evil regimes and new ways to run evil regimes they always
0: do the same things though uh,
1: yeah in a lot of ways, but the style is different. I'm